Chapter 48. The Law. For a moment, neither Alf nor the boys could speak. They stared at Fighting Prawn, faces frozen in dread. Peter broke the silence. Please, sir, he said. Who is Mr. Grin? As he spoke, he again said something moving inside the log structure. The earth beneath him seemed to shake. Something was in there. Something very big. Mr. Grin, said Fighting Prawn, is a native of Mollusk Island. For many years, he was a peaceful neighbor to the Mollusk people. He went his way, we went ours. But then some years ago, visitors came to our island. Sailors, Englishmen, they were, like you. They thought it would be good sport to hunt Mr. Grin. Something thrashed inside the enclosure. The walls shook. The boys cowered, scurrying back on their bottoms. Even Alf retreated a few feet. We urged these men not to harm our old neighbor, but of course they did not listen to us. We are savages, don't forget. The English are civilized. Fighting Prawn smiled, not pleasantly. They were good hunters, these Englishmen, he said. They captured Mr. Grin, managed to snare him with grappling hooks, then dragged him up the beach and tied him to a tree with ropes. Then they had their sport. They drank their rum and teased him, prodded and poked to see what he would do next, used him for their amusement. We asked them to stop, but Englishmen do not care what savages think. Finally, a young mollusk boy could no longer bear to hear Mr. Grin's roars of pain. That night, when the drunken Englishman had fallen asleep, the boys crept among them and t- tried to cut Mr. Grin free. An Englishman awoke and saw the boys. Shot, he shot him in the leg. The boy fell, screaming. Some of our people saw what happened. The boy lay on the ground, bleeding, screaming, and the Englishman did nothing. Mr. Grin was only a few feet away. Mr. Grin was so angry by then... Fighting Prawn looked at the ground, then at the enclosure, and then back to Peter. That boy was my son, he said. But sir, said Peter, that wasn't... We attacked the Englishmen then, said Fighting Prawn, ignoring Peter. They were surprised that, or when we did that, and even more surprised that we defeated them. In the end, they cried like babies, begged us for mercy. They told us they would have to ask Mr. Grin for mercy. He showed them none. Another movement from inside the logs. We released Mr. Grin then, because it was not his fault. None of it. But they'd ruin him, you see. Given him a taste for humans, instead of returning to the jungle, he stayed near our village, watching us, smelling us, wanting us. Lurking, waiting. We had no choice but to capture and kill him. But he's still alive, Peter said. Yes, said Fighting Prawn. As fate would have it, another ship arrived on that day, on the day we were doing it. So instead of destroying Mr. Grin, we put him to work. Now it is our law to keep the island ours, for mollusks, not for outsiders. But, sir, those were pirates. We're on this island because pirates attacked us also. We feel the same way about them as you do. The lad is right, Alpha speaking now. You mean to, you, you, we mean you no harm. Yes, you say that, said Fighting Prawn. You visitors always say that, and sometimes you even mean it. But we have learned that our visitors are always trouble, pirates or no. You have abused our hospitality, brought disease, taken us slaves, killed us like animals. But that wasn't us, exclaimed Peter. We don't do those things. You haven't yet, said Fighting Prawn, and Mr. Grin will see to it that you never will. That is our law. He turned and grunted something. Instantly, two men appeared with a ladder of lashed bamboo. They leaned it against the log wall. From within, there came a low growl. Tubby Ted whimpered. Prentice and Thomas clutched each other, sobbing. James gripped Peter's arm. But, sir, it was all speaking out. You can't mean... I mean, these are just boys. No exception. It's the law. He grunted something. Four men with spears approached Alf. Wait. There's a trunk, said Peter, exchanging a quick glance with Alf. It has powers. It's it's magic, and we think it's on this island. We could help you find it, sir. Show you how to use the power. 
Fighting parents shook his head in disgust. Lying now. They all try that too. Lying to the savages as though we're children, easily tricked. Here's your magic. He spat on the ground. But the magic is real. I've seen it with my own eyes. What the boy says is true. Fighting Prawn looked back and forth between Alf and Peter for a moment. Peter thought Alf might have convinced him, but then the old man grunted again to the four men who prodded Alf roughly against the ladder, forcing him to climb. No, said Alf, pointing to the logs. I ain't going in there. Then these men will spear, spear you and throw your body over the wall. Either way, you will go in there. As he spoke, one of the men pressed a spear point against Alf's chest. Alf winced as he felt the razor-sharp shell penetrate his shirt and prick his chest. All right, I'll go without a fight, but only if it's just me. Please, not the boys. They's just boys. Boys, yes. Just like my son. Prodded from below, his legs were now pricked and bleeding. Alf picked or climbed to the top of the wall. He looked over the side, then back at Peter, his face white as a sail. Alf, said Peter. Alf started to speak, but before he could, he was shoved over the wall and was gone. The boys were next, one by one, first Tubby Ted, then James, Prentice, and Thomas, all sobbing, were driven at the spear, driven at spear point to the ladder and over the wall. Peter was last. He climbed without prodding. At the top, he looked back down at Fighting Prawn and said, This is wrong. We've done nothing. Yes, you have, said Fighting Prawn. You came to this island. You're a brave boy. Perhaps Mr. Grin will have mercy on you. Then he motioned to his men. Before they could act, Peter jumped over the wall to join his mates and Mr. Grin. Chapter 49. Into the Cave. Quiet, Slank hissed. Slank and little Richard struggled, sweating, through the darkness or darkening but still hot jungle, staying out of sight as they followed the sweeping curve of the lagoon toward the dark mouth of the cave. From time to time, they peered carefully through the vegetation at the two green-tailed she-fish. Each time, little Richard stared, almost hypnotized by the creatures. The closer he got, the more beautiful they looked to him. In twenty minutes, they had crept behind the trees to a spot directly up, up, er, up the beach from rocks where the she-fish sprawled, unmoving, facing out to sea, apparently oblivious to the approach of the two men. All right, whispered Slank. We want to get as close as we can not to scare him. Understand? Yes, said little Richard, excited at the prospect of getting close, especially to the blonde one. All right, then, said Slank. Here goes. He stepped out from the trees, followed by little Richard. The two men walked down the beach until the gentle lagoon surf, or surf lapped at their boots. They were now perhaps twenty feet from the rock where the she-fish lay. Hello there, ladies, said Slank cordially. The she-fish spun, their bodies now rigid. They stared at the two men with expressionless faces, dominated by round, huge, sea-blue eyes. Beautiful eyes, thought little Richard, but not human eyes. My name is Slank. I think you may have run into something I'm looking for. The she-fish did not speak or move. For twenty seconds, there was no sound but the low hiss of the surf. "'We mean you no harm,' said Slank. As reassurance, little Richard parted his lips in a broad smile. He had nine and a half teeth in all, the color of tree bark. The instant he opened his mouth, the already wide eyes of she-fish became even wider. Before Slank could say another word, the creatures flipped their tails, slithered off the rock, and slid into the lagoon. "'Wait!' shouted Slank, but they were gone." The men's eyes followed the long, graceful shapes gliding underwater with astonishing speed to a dark opening in the jumble of the ship-sized rocks nearby. The she-fish sur surfaced again, looked back for a moment at the men, then dove again, their bodies shooting into, dark, into a dark opening between two massive boulders and disappearing. "'You idiot!' said Slank, turning and throwing a punch that landed on Little Richard's massive trunk, having no effect other than to hurt Slank's fist. "'What did you do?' 
Nothing, I swear. I just smiled at them is all, said Little Richard. Well, don't do it again, said Slink. You scared him, and now they go in, and now we gotta go in there after him. He gestured at the dark opening in the rocks. We do, said Little Richard, who, in addition to spiders, did not care for the dark. We do, said Slank, wading into the lagoon, toward the big rocks, with Little Richard reluctantly following. As the water reached his waist, Slank pulled the two pistols from his belt, holding them up to keep them dry. When they reached the cave opening, the water was up to Slank's chest and Little Richard's waist. The two men paused and looked into the cave. In the late dusk, they see, or they could see only a short distance. On either side, water sloshed against smaller rocks. Overhead was a high, sloping, cathedral-like ceiling. Formed by massive rocks leaning together, ahead lay a yawning darkness. I don't like this, said Little Richard. I've seen you whip six men at once in a fight. How can you be afraid of women? Those ain't normal women. And it's dark. Just the same, said Slank, holding his pistols high as he waded into the lagoon. We're going in. They moved forward, the sound of their sloshing echoing back to them in the dark, cavernous space. Soon they were in deep gloom, barely able to make out the cave walls, no longer able to see beneath the surface of the water. Hey, shouted little Richard, his voice booming off the walls. Slank spun, pistols level. What? he shouted. I felt something. It touched me leg. It's your mind playing tricks. Stop being such a baby. But it was bothering him now, the darkness of the water. They pressed on the cave entrance, now almost out of sight, their eyes straining to pick up what little of the one or what a little of the wand dusk, dusk filtered in through the opening in the boulder high above their head. What was that? Now, as Slank's turn to think, something had touched him. He kicked his right leg, but struck nothing. But now he saw it. Something was roiling the water around them. Little Richard saw it, too. They're here, said the big man, moving closer. Stand back to back. Get your sword ready. They moved together, each facing out. The roiling around them was getting more pronounced now. There was a splash and a tip of a tail, and then several more from different directions. There's more than two, thought Slank. And then a woman's head appeared, streaming hair circling a few yards away. Then another head and another and another. A lot more than two. What are they doing? said little Richard behind Slank. What do they want? I don't know, said Slank, trying to shake the thought. They let us in here. It's a trap. Now in the gloom, they could make out six, perhaps seven heads circling them, moving very fast, still a few yards away. But Slank saw now that the circle they spun was shrinking. Inch by inch, the she-fish were drawing closer, closer. Then they stopped. One of them, the men could see now, it was the blonde one that they had seen before, was directly in front of Little Richard, just out of reach. Not that he wanted to touch her. He looked into his face, her face without expression, blue eyes seeming to glow. Then she smiled. Little Richard gasped. The she-thing's mouth was horror. The top overcrowded with a jumble of jagged teeth, more shark than human. The bottom row was hard, smooth, bony plate, more like a fish than human. Little Richard raised his right arm, and with it, his sword. He meant to gesture, gesture purely defensively, but the instant he moved, another she-fish slank, slank. But the instant he moved, another she-fish slank glimpse told him it was the black-haired one who'd been outside hissed and darted forward, snake-like, opening her hideous mouth and clamping her sharp needle teeth um, down on his right forearm. Slank whirled to shoot it, but little Richard, bellowing in pain, moved faster. He brought his massive left fist down on the she-hid's head. She emitted a blood-chilling screech and fell away in the dark water. The cave filled with hisses now, as the other she-fish erupted in a frenzy of furious motion. Little Richard screamed in pain as another set of teeth sank into the back of his left thigh. He reached down frantically, trying to knock the thing away. The water around the two men foamed and boiled. 
Slank swept his pistol back and forth, but could find nothing to aim at. The she-fish were moving fast, and mostly underwater, and then they were gone. For a moment there was no sound in the cave but Slank's breathing, and little Richard's moans as he felt the pain of his wound, especially the jagged hole in his leg. Then they surfaced, perhaps twenty feet away? Five. No, six of them. One of them, the little or the one little Richard had struck, was clearly hurt, possibly unconscious. The other five were supporting it, making odd low noises. They were moving away slowly toward a bend in the cave wall as they rounded it. Slank could see them looking back to the men. They could see the fury in their glowing blue eyes, and see... Wait a minute. There was something odd. Why can I see them so clearly? Slank squinted for a moment, and then he realized what it was. There was light coming from somewhere around the bend, from deeper in the cave. Something in there was giving off light. Come on, he told little Richard, moving toward the she-fish that had disappeared around the cave. What? said little Richard, grimacing in pain. You want to follow those devil things? Yes, said Slank, pushing forward. Excited now. Little Richard, not wanting to go, but afraid of being alone in the dark water, followed. They reached the bend in the cave wall, and Slank, holding the pistols in front of him, inched forward until he could see around it. Well, well, he said softly. Little Richard leaned, er, leaned around to see and gasped. In front of them was a little cove, at the back of which was a rock ledge, perhaps thirty feet across. Lying on the ledge to the right was the injured chiefish, still being attended by the five who had carried it there. Arrayed along the ledge, in the water in front of it, there were many more. Slank estimated two dozen she-fish behind them on a pile of rocks. At the center of the ledge was the source of the glow that filled the cavern, the trunk. It was battered and lopsided, light streaming from its many cracks. It's mine, said Slank mostly to himself. The creatures, keeping their glowing blue eyes fixed on the men, moved slowly toward the center of the cove, gathering in front of the trunk. I don't think they mean to give it up, said Little Richard. They're protecting it. Yes, they'd want to keep it, but I don't mean to let them. Go get it, he said. Me, said little Richard, but go get it, barked Slank, evoking a flurry of hisses from the she-fish. If they come at you, I'll shoot them. Little Richard hesitated. If you don't go in there, I'll shoot you, said Slank. Little Richard stared at him for a moment, saw he meant it. Turning back, he took a breath and began wading toward the she-fish. The creatures began darting nervously side to side, and his the hissing increased. Little Richard glanced back over the shoulder, pleadingly toward Slank, but found himself looking down the barrel of a pistol. He turned away and took another step toward the creatures, who were very agitated now, opening their mouths as they hissed, revealing those terrifying teeth. It happened in less than a second. One of the she-fish shot from the pack, mouth agape straight for little Richard. As he threw his hands up, the cave rang with a sudden sound of a pistol shot, magnified by the stone walls. Incredibly, the creature was moving very fast. Slank's aim was true. The pistol, er, the pistol ball struck it at the neck, and it felt down with a gurl- gurgling sound. Blood spurted from the wound. The cave now filled with unearthly shrieks and screeches. Another creature, and now a third, lunged at Little Richard. Slank fired again. This time he missed, but the sound of another shot, and, its ric- and it ricocheted on the stone, was apparently too terrifying for the she-fish. As suddenly as they had attra- attacked, they whirled and ret- retreated. Grabbing their, er, grabbing their two wounded, the creatures flashed their powerful tails and dove, giving the men and their terrible weapon a wide berth. Um, swarming the cave toward the cave entrance. Slank, still holding the pistol leveled, watched them go. Little Richard, barely believing he'd been spared, slowly lowered his hands from the front of his face, took a deep breath, and exhaled. That was worse than spiders, he said. It's a good thing they don't know where... Don't know... There's but one shot per pistol. Then he turned, slowly savoring the moment, toward the glowing, unguarded trunk. And now, he said, you're mine.